0: Thank you for joining us, Roll Scoop listeners. Today, I have a fantastic guest that's joining me from the Lake Havasu Unified School District. Christy Olson is an instructional and academic coach, and she's going to be talking to us about structures and protocols that her district has put in place to develop collective teacher efficacy, especially in light of our new normal during this pandemic. Christy, are you ready to give us the scoop? I am ready to give you the scoop. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, First, before we go any further, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: I would love to. I began my teaching career in 1992, teaching sixth grade in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. It was my first teaching position, and I have been in Lake Havasu now for 29 years. I am dedicated to this district and this community. Over the course of my 29 years, I've taught fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and sometimes combinations or blends of those two grades. My husband is also an educator in Lake Havasu. He has taught in this district for 31 years. We have two daughters who both graduated from Lake Havasu High School. Our oldest daughter attended the Naval Academy and graduated in 2019. She's now a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps. And our youngest daughter is a senior at the Colorado School of Mines studying environmental chemistry. So we are proud of our family and what we've accomplished in education in Lake Havasu. And we're proud of the type of education that a student can receive in Lake Havasu. I think that that our daughter's success speaks to that. Additionally, I've always felt very supported by my community and my district to continue my love of learning. I've been fortunate to be able to earn two master's degrees, one in elementary education and one in curriculum and instruction. I became a national board certified teacher in 2002. I renewed in 2012, and I'm renewing again for the third time this year. Um, I'm an Arizona master teacher and a Learning Forward Academy graduate. So I've been really fortunate that my district is so supportive of my pursuit of learning.
0: That's phenomenal. You and I started teaching in the same year at the same grade level. So that's pretty interesting. Small world. Um, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So... We just heard a little bit about you, Christy. Can you give us a little bit of information about the district, Lake Havasu?
1: Sure, Lake Havasu City is a rural, remote district, a city on the western coast of Arizona. It's on the Colorado River, famous for the home, being home of the London Bridge. Um, we are primarily a retirement and recreation community but we do have a unified district that serves 5,000 students uh, with 225
0: certified teachers. So we're gonna be talking about teacher efficacy with you, Christy. Talk to us about what teacher efficacy is and then introduce what you're doing in your district. In a
1: nutshell, teacher efficacy is really a collective understanding that we can impact student outcomes, that what happens in a system isn't happening in a silo, but it's because we work together and we work to make each other
0: better. Perfect, and now how are you using that information in Lake Havasu?
1: Well, um, we're really being strategic about leadership and creating roles to support educators in developing relationships and employing responsive instructional practices that really enable every student in our district to succeed. And we have in place right now seven interdependent structures that support collective teacher efficacy from the moment a teacher walks into our district and attends teacher orientation until the day that they retire.
0: And when you say relationship building, what does that look like on the ground? Well,
1: on the ground, we, have, we put in structures where teachers build relationships with each other in cohorts. They build relationships with mentor teachers, mentor administrators, and they build relationships with students and families.
0: Why did you start this programming? What was the need that you were addressing with your school community?
1: Well, our story is, is very personal to me, but I don't think it is unique to me and our district. In 2017-18, 38% of the teachers in our district had between zero and two years of teaching experience. We had 21 classrooms that were being taught by long-term subs or teacher interns, and we had seven unfilled positions. We knew that teacher turnover was putting a strain on the teachers, on our veterans teaching staff, and that if we didn't address teacher turnover, we were going to experience a downward spiral of morale. We were really fearful that our veteran teachers were going to kind of hunker down into this bunker mentality of... I am going to do what's right in my classroom and kind of live in a silo. So we felt that it was imperative that if we focused on teacher retention, if we focused on retaining accomplished teachers, it would have a positive impact on student outcomes. So we really wanted to support our teachers and help them grow and stay, but we also wanted them to support each other. So we've spent about three years developing these supports and strategies that go across the district and across the continuum of uh, teacher development.
0: So tell us a little bit about that programming that you have in place that really does help support and develop that collective teacher efficacy. Sure.
1: Our teachers... Oh, who we consider novice teacher is any teacher who enters our district either as a first-year teacher or a 20-year veteran. If they come into our district, they are supported as a novice teacher. And what I mean by that is, first of all, they get to experience teacher orientation, which is a five-day orientation prior to the beginning of the school year. They are supported by a site-based mentor and a master teacher mentor, which is my position. We then support these teachers, they stay in a cohort together for two years of instructional support. So year one, our programming is called Instructional Fundamentals, and that really introduces them to the five core propositions, the evaluation instrument, elements of effective instruction, Then in year two, again, they stay together as a cohort and their programming is called instructional shifts. And that's when we really dive into research-based instructional strategies. After year two, our teachers are considered um, professional teachers or teacher leaders. And that's really where the pathway starts to open up for teachers to follow different cohorts. Um, We have one cohort that's called Professional Learning Plans. This is where teachers can participate in an inquiry process where they select a problem of practice and engage in action research. They can become site-based mentors supporting those novice teachers. They can become articulation leads. We're lucky enough in our district to have site-based articulation once a month during the school day, an hour during the school day. And Uh so they can become an articulation lead for their grade level or their content area. They can choose to start pursuing national board certification. Um, And then we have another pathway for our highly effective teachers. They can become professional development leads, they can become hosts of the Observe Me protocol where, they, where other teachers do observational rounds in their classrooms. Or if they are national board certified, they can become candidate support providers for national board certification. But our idea is not so much just all of these different pathways, but cohorts that stay together and grow together.
0: Is it a requirement that they pick a particular uh, pathway after that first two years?
1: It isn't, but I will tell you that over 200 of our teachers are somehow involved in this efficacy framework, which when you think that we have 225 teachers, over 200 somehow involved in this process or this framework
0: is really outstanding and very exciting that really is uh pretty amazing when you look at it are they paid to be involved in it
1: yes we do we give teachers who are involved in teacher orientation they receive a stipend for those five days ahead of school Um, with our instructional fundamentals and our instructional shifts those first two years of professional development our teachers receive um, some 301 points, we call them, so that they have that burden lifted off. Um, And then our mentors receive stipends, our district articulation leads receive stipends, and then our highly effective teachers are on a different pathway as far as their evaluation instrument, so that seems to relieve a little bit of burden off of them as well.
0: Now, Christy, as you think back to the original launch, that initial implementation, what challenges did you face and how did you overcome those?
1: Well, we knew that if we wanted such expansive programming, we had to develop a common knowledge and, a, I guess, a common language of what everyone in our district's understanding was of the knowledge, skills, and dispositions of an accomplished teacher. We had to have everyone on the same page. First-year teachers to the superintendent had to have a common understanding of what accomplished teaching was in this district. And we needed a universal theme that would be highly visible in every professional development every meeting, every document and so after some consideration we chose the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards five core propositions what teachers should know and be able to do as our guiding document. Um, It turns out that that guiding document is now the framework for our evaluation instrument as well but the challenge was that so many of our veteran staff felt that this document was only for national board teachers, only something that a national board teacher could live up to or obtain proficiency in. So we needed veteran teachers and administrators to understand and see themselves in these five core propositions. We wanted them to see that this just wasn't another thing we were adding on, but this was the thing that teachers knew their students, teachers knew their content area and how to deliver that content to students, that teachers were responsible for managing and monitoring student learning, that they were reflective and that they were members of learning communities. Those were our guiding principles as we started to work towards this um, framework. So we spent an entire semester, looking back, it doesn't seem like so much time, but we were eager to get going with the programming. We spent an entire semester facilitating conversations around the five core propositions with every staff member in the district. And in all transparency, we just felt like we were dragging our feet that semester. We were so eager to get started but laying that foundation and taking the time to develop that understanding and taking the time to communicate and facilitate those conversations around who we were as a district and who we aspired to be made all the difference in the implementation of this programming
0: so christy did you then not get as much pushback from teachers
1: exactly once everyone bought into this is who we are this is who we aspire to be this is what everything should connect to the programming came easily or more easily <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't our only barrier another barrier we faced was time when we talk about collective efficacy teachers need protected time To build those relationships with colleagues, there Mm -hmm. has to be that element of trust. And if you don't build that time in for your teachers, it won't happen. It doesn't happen just organically. It has to be protected and nurtured. And so we've been really fortunate to have supportive administrators who helped us build in that protected hour of district-wide articulation every month during the school day. So teachers, it's, it's actually part of their work. And every teacher in our district from pre-K to 12 is involved in articulation. And I think that's another reason we've been so successful in our programming is the administration has protected that time.
0: So Christy, let me ask you, one of the things that um, as a principal, on their plate would be the responsibility of ensuring those relationships are being developed. How did you incorporate your site leadership into what you're doing with your teachers?
1: Right, so site leadership and their buy-in is extremely important, and they aren't an outsider looking in. They really have to be a part of that team, and so, so often our district administrators and our site administrators will attend district level articulation, they will come into um, the instructional fundamentals or shift seminars, and we've really built in a lot of communication as well
0: with our district administration. So they were trained right along with the teachers. Yep,
1: and we didn't just hand these responsibilities over to teachers of uh, lead articulation or lead professional development or do research around a problem of practice in your classroom with this cohort. We have created protocols that help every single leader facilitate those conversations. So no one feels that they have to be the expert or the smartest person in the room. But every person who is in one of those leadership positions has those structures and those protocols in place to facilitate those conversations in a positive way.
0: Along those same lines, if a district in rural Arizona was looking to replicate what your district is doing, why might they fail? What, what are some things that you can give them as some breath, best practice ideas and advice? Sure. I
1: think one of the areas where we struggled with early on was communication. We had clearly communicated the five core propositions and why that was the anchor or the backbone of all of our programming. But we since then we have really adopted this kind of policy of relentless communication. We communicate with the entire staff through face-to-face meetings, emails, calendar invites, Instagram, uh, a shared Google Drive, and next year we have plans to link all of our professional development calendars and resources to the district website. But we want everyone to know what everyone is working on. We think that's really important that there's this transparency of what's happening in a second grade articulation meeting as opposed to a high school math articulation meeting. What did our first year teachers learn in September? What are our second year teachers working on in January? That, was, that relentless communication is key. Um, additionally, we follow up every single seminar those instructional fundamentals and those instructional shifts and even our mentor seminars, we follow up with emails to the principals and the directors with the agenda, the activities, the resources, um, the highlighted core proposition so that everyone can support, especially our novice teachers in what they are learning. Oh, last month you learned about, um, Instructional scaffolding, how is that going in your classroom? How can I support you? How can I continue that conversation with you? So that's been key. And we do present our programming updates several times a year to our building and district level administrators. And we're constantly seeking feedback from the participants in our programming. And that that feedback really helps us refine and improve every single year. Is your
0: community aware of what you're doing and how supportive have they been?
1: Our community is amazing. They really are, especially during new teacher orientation, we have a different community group come in every single day and provide lunch and treats for our new teachers, which is amazing. Our community is also very supportive of our national board program. So we are we are fortunate that we have a community that is engaged and is supportive of not only education, but teachers and their growth.
0: Christy, to date, and I know that this is still a developing program, but can you talk to us about some of the successes that your program has had? What, what are those inspiring stories that you can give us? Um, yes. Um, well,
1: if you remember, we, ha-
0: we had some very...
1: Um, Disturbing numbers as far as teacher retention in 2017 and 18. You know, 38% of our staff was had zero to two years of teaching experience. Um, when we started this school year, 2021, we are down to 18% of our staff having zero to two years of experience. So that's a huge improvement of retention. And we all know retention of accomplished teachers has a positive impact on student outcomes, so we that's a huge success story for us. Um, in seventeen eighteen, we had twenty one classrooms taught by long term subs. This year, we're down to eleven. Um, we had seven unfilled positions in seventeen eighteen. This year, we have five. So um, we are making tremendous gains with teacher retention, which is going to have a positive impact on student outcomes out of the 225 teachers that are employed in the Lake Havasu School District, over 200 are some way involved in our programming. And I think that that again just speaks to this idea that collective efficacy is good for teachers and it's good for students. And teachers want to be involved in a district where they feel supported and they feel that together we are going to make an impact. I don't have to make an impact in a silo or in a bunker in my own classroom, but I have the support of those around me to help me grow and face challenges or barriers, and I can get through that with the support of my team, and together we are going to make a huge impact on on the students in our district. And then one of our biggest person, my one of my favorite success stories is that twenty percent of our teaching staff is either national board certified or in the process.
0: Wow, that's and a big number. It is. I'm very proud of that number. When you're talking about the things that um, are outcomes, even just in the last couple of years. Um, And those numbers declining is phenomenal progress. Talk to me about what's going on with your culture and climate, because if you're spending time relationship building amongst your staff, that's going to have a positive impact on your work environment. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I would love to. Um, And again, this story is personal, but
1: not unique. This year has been extremely challenging as we've worked through distance learning models, hybrid learning models, and now face-to-face learning models. Um, Our teachers have had to, just like teachers all across the country, have had to pivot on a moment's notice and learn new platforms, new ways of keeping students engaged, and the culture of my district is such that no one has felt that they have had to face these barriers alone. Um, And I'll speak about one particular scenario. I have several kindergarten teachers who are like me. They have been in education for decades, and to teach via Google Classroom is a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge for new teachers, but it's really a challenge for someone um, who has never had to do that before. And we immediately had teachers who had a grasp of Google Classroom volunteering. I will travel across town to meet with these teachers and sit with them and help them develop their, their classroom setup and help them develop Google Sheets and things like this and talk to them about how to have... Um, manage a zoom synchronous meeting so that students are engaged and we we built this culture but it it was through you know articulation meetings and seminars and then COVID-19 hit and we saw it just happen organically these teachers just stepping up to be a cheerleader pick another person up um be a sounding board or a shoulder to cry on. And it was it was a beautiful thing to see happen in such a traumatic time. That really is a very beautiful story.
0: You know, it does not happen often that way. And so that you were able to lay the foundations for that kind of collaboration before the pandemic hit was really a blessing in disguise so to speak i'm i'm glad that that was the way it worked for your district we we're so grateful that we we have the staff that we
1: do and the way that they work together is amazing and inspirational
0: what are the support or resources that might be available to districts that want to tap into that type of programming that you're offering your teachers if they wanted to start something like it
1: Well, I will tell you, it's the best thing ever to run this kind of (laughs) programming. And what we started with, uh, we tapped into the new teacher centers, continuum of teacher induction standards. And that's something that we looked at and aspired to be and started to build our program based on those standards. Um. Once we had the idea of the standards in our mind, of course, we went back to those five core propositions that I've talked about before as really the anchor document of everything we were going to do in our district. We tapped into the expertise of the teacher leaders in our district, which I think is highly important. Um, There is no one who knows more about teaching than the teachers who have, to say, boots on the ground like Mm -hmm. we're experiencing this, that was really important. And we did run um, some different kinds of focus groups where we talked with teacher leaders about what their vision of a perfect future would look like in our district and kind of worked backwards from there, that backwards design idea. And of course, we're always willing to share what we have experienced in Lake Havasu. It's it's been amazing, inspirational work, but it has been hard work and that's okay, but it has been long hours and there have been struggles and things that we've learned along the way. And we're more than happy to share that programming timeline or story with anyone.
0: Now, Christy, you mentioned um, that the teachers receive stipends for different parts of the uh, program that they're participating in. You mentioned that there is a grant that you're utilizing. Is is that how those stipends are funded? Is that how that work is being funded? Um, The grant is
1: from the Arizona, we applied for the grant through the Arizona K-12 Center. It's called the New Teacher Induction Network Grant. And that stipend actually pays uh, partly for my salary and the salary of my cohort who works with the intermediate and high school teachers. But the other stipends are paid through, um, I believe Title II, which we're so lucky that our district really um, sees the value in that and wants to pay teachers for their expertise and their leadership.
0: Christy, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure the listeners know about your program? I would say
1: one last idea about this programming, and I've, I've spoken to it briefly, was we never put a teacher in a position where they have to feel that they are the expert in the room or that they are standing in front of a group of teachers and lecturing to those teachers. And And we've done that through protocols. And I would suggest that if a a district or leadership is considering doing something like this type of programming in their school or on a bigger scale in their district, that they really look into how protocols can support those conversations so that it isn't sage on the stage professional development, but it is actually a collective conversation and taps into the expertise around the room, not the expertise at the front of the room.
0: If people wanted more information, how can they get in contact with you?
1: I would love to talk about this programming with anyone who's interested, and they can reach me at my email address. It is christie.olsen.com. At LHUSD.org. <laughs> so,
0: Christy.Olson at LHUSD.org. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege to get to talk about teacher leadership and collective efficacy. <laughs>